Welcome back, Perfect Peeps, to Perfect Dad Dev. Today on the show, we're talking all about Tonic AI and how to create fake data. I have with me the VP of Marketing, Omed Habib. Hello, Omed. Hello. How's it going, Alex? It's going great. So tell me a little bit uh, kind of about your background and how you kind of became the marketing VP at Tonic. Yeah, so I started off my career as a, well, I should probably call it really more of a hobby when I was a young kid as a software developer, but I did kick off my career as a software engineer for about a decade. Um, I was usually the guy asking why. Um, so that naturally pivots you into a product management role. I think a lot of software engineers could probably uh, sympathize with me. Um, and then as a product manager, I was the guy asking why not. So that pushed me into product marketing on the outbound side. And so that kicked off my, uh, I guess you could say my third pivot um, in my career into, into marketing. And so I officially entered the dark side as uh, <laughs> software developers would call it, but, but here I am. However, I should probably clarify that I only work within uh, the DevOps space. So I gotcha. work with developers still, I speak their language, I know their pains. And so the products that uh, I like to market are products that they love. That's awesome. Yeah, it's hard to make that switch. And I feel like if you're more uh, like personable, you kind of tend to lean that way anyway. So it's, it's cool that you have a technical background that you can emphasize. Sweet. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about Tonic. So for someone, you know, listening that's never heard of Tonic AI and kind of what you guys are doing, what is it in like a paragraph? Yeah, so uh, Tonic.ai, we call ourselves the fake data company. Um, and I, I, I know it's kind of a uh, loaded phrase, but uh, yeah. it's true. Um, our uh, product essentially helps uh, software developers be able to um, bootstrap a local dev environment um, with uh, fake data instead of having to obviously use production data. Uh, that is an anti-pattern. You do not want to copy and paste data from production. You don't want to take a SQL dump and upload it onto a local unsecured dev environment. Uh, QA engineers, they want to you know, QA features um, and they want that software to um, behave like production as close as possible. And so our data does that. Um, you know, pre-production sandboxes, um, um, maybe even like blue-green deployments, possibly. There's all kinds of scenarios where you need your environment to mimic production as close as possible, and that's what Tonic does. That's very cool. So I, I feel like often the questions I get when I'm I'm setting up environments is how can we easily like backport this to a, a testing or a, a QA? Is Tonic helping assist or like automate that in kind of a CI/CD pipeline as well? Yes. Um, uh, the short answer is yes. Uh, there's there's, there's okay. quite a few different uh, tools that you probably are piecing together, unless you're using like a GitLab, which basically does everything. But we'll we'll come back to that here in a bit. Sure. Um, you're essentially piecing together what you know we'll call your CI/CD tool chain. So this is all the different tools that you're piecing together, and each tool has a certain thing that it does uh, within the lifeline of you know your service, eventually getting it pushed out into production. Um, you you know the obvious version control, you have Git, you have uh, your build server like Jenkins or something, you have your artifact, you know, repository, your security, your, you know, uh, quality, uh, actual deployment software. Um, so one key component in that is um, how do you saturate your, your uh, databases 
throughout that pipeline uh, where you do the QA test against or you do the security test against, uh, Tonic plays that role. Matter of fact, we actually have a customer of ours um, who is using GitLab. And one of his feedback was, um, yeah, we, 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 we use GitLab for pretty much everything except the one thing that's missing is giving us test data. And so they mm. did plug in um, Tonic um, using uh, a callback when a pipeline gets triggered. Um, it then will automate using our API uh, test data generation, which automatically will connect your output database, uh, push the test data in there, um, giving you a full-fledged uh, uh, test scenario that can then execute, um, you know, your your service as it graduates th through the pipeline into production. Sure. So is it is it actually taking like live data at that point, like scrubbing it out and and like utilizing the data and uh, I guess I, I'm trying to understand maybe the AI piece a little bit in there. Is it actually doing something truly like machine learning AI based or is it just kind of doing like a scrub on that? Yeah. So we, we just introduced a new feature called uh, smart linking, which um, uses, and this is mathematics and AI and ML far beyond my understanding. We, 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 we sure. have some very sophisticated PhDs, uh, including two of our co-founders and and one of our head of uh, data science teams um, that have essentially put this together. And um, so before I describe what smart linking does, let me kind of tell you what the challenge here is with, with the way people do it today. Um, you have, you know, pretty complex databases, right? Take, for example, one of our customers like eBay. So you can imagine like, you know, um, if they're running uh, a database, how many tables they must have and how many columns each table must have. You know, not to mention the petabytes of data of, of you know, actual rows that exist there. Now, imagine you're a test data engineer that has to go in there and say, all right, well, uh, how do I create a, a you know, sample data set that can, I can give to my developers and say, hey, here you guys go. Like, um, uh, why don't you guys go and you know, develop a new feature or QA your next release on this like, a few rows of data or data that may not really actually behave. It's, it's a pretty daunting task. And so um, the ML portion of this is um, using uh, some pretty sophisticated um, machine learning, um, which uh, if you're interested, we have a, a few blogs that we actually published on exactly how it works and the mechanics behind uh, the science of it. Um, but essentially the way that developers would do it before is they had to go in there and manually figure out, all right, here's the column and here's probably what the data type is. And here's probably what the relationship is between this and all the other columns. Um, we have um, machine learning that goes in there and does it yourself or, or does it itself for you. So the idea okay. here is that the more sophisticated the environment is, uh, the more value you get from a feature like this. We, we call it smart linking. But here's the interesting thing is that smart linking is only one of the dozens of types of what we call a generator uh, that you use to pass your data through. Um, and so, uh, for example, if you have a name column, like first name, uh, you pass it through the, the, the name generator. And so tonic will take people's actual first names, pass it through, and then output a first name that you cannot re reverse engineer. Um, <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't hack it, uh, uh, hack it. Um, it keeps it consistent as well. So if the person's first name is being used and, anywhere else in that row, or even if there's a JSON object that you're storing in one of the columns and that person's first name is there, Tonic can detect that 
using F, uh, 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 XPath, uh, the ability for you to build your own custom expression to you know, search and replace everywhere. Um, so the idea here is that your data is completely de-identified and it's impossible to reverse engineer it. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Um, so I guess along that same lines, can we talk a minute about like PII, PHI and like the safety that that allows for them or like how it's accomplishing that? Yeah, um, well, as we know, obviously there's a lot of laws and regulations. We don't have to go into the reasons as to why developers need to do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it might be worth kind of touching upon this. I, it, it's rare, but I do come across, you know, a few engineering leaders who say that uh, they, they actually think that it's an anti-pattern to, to use synthetic data in production. And, and, and the reason why they think that is because they, they, the argument, which is t- technically valid, is that um, it doesn't give you uh, a true test scenario. Um, so they use production data. I know it sounds crazy and maybe they're lucky and they work in an environment where there's no PII. But for the most part, we, we, we almost all do. Whether it's HIPAA uh, or, it's, or it's PCI or it's GDPR, there's some kind of regulation. Um, not to mention just pure best practice. The last thing you want is like some you know, laptop getting stolen at a Starbucks. And then you have, you know, production data being used on that laptop, you know, exposing all of your customer data. So that's not, not a good scenario. So I think it's safe to establish that using production data in a pre-production environment is the anti-pattern, right? So once we establish that, then we, we, we understand that, okay, so then what's next? Well, what's next is you have to de-identify that data. And that's um, where, where Tonic steps in. Now, there's a few different ways people do it today. They might write custom scripts. Um, they might use arbitrary data. Uh, they might create data from scratch, for example, like with a Makaru, fantastic product. Um, Mark actually is a friend of mine. I think he built a, uh, we've done quite a few events together here at Tonic. And if you're building a product from scratch and you have no existing data, Makaru is definitely the tool to use. Uh, Tonic steps in to environments where you have an application that's already in production and you have a massive amount of data in production. And what makes us different from probably how you're either doing it today or what's out there is we do what's called mimicking, um, mimic data. So we connect to your production environment and we will then pass it through the generators after some configuration by you telling Tonic what's what's sensitive and what's not. Um, and then we automatically output it to an output database. Um, so your data looks, acts, feels, uh, behaves like production because it's made from production. Sure. And so we can go into more detail about how it behaves like production, uh, but that's essentially how uh, Tonic fits in the equation. So if if you're like looking at production data like that, and I think we talked a bit of a bit about it, but like if you have petabytes of data, but in your test systems, you don't want to pay for that and you don't want to move that much data. What does that tend to look like? Are you, are you kind of dealing with a subset or you kind of pick and choose like, I need that much data to see how my app's going to actually function in a real life scenario. How do you see people using that right now? Yeah, great question. So it depends on who you're asking and what the use case is. So if I'm, for example, if I'm just going to spin up a local dev environment, cause I just, you know, I just, want to build a feature. Um, I probably don't need a petabyte of data in order to do that, right? <laughs> I just need a little bit of data to actually make this you know, workable so I can uh, write my feature. 
Um, if that's the case, um, Tonic can generate for you uh, a workable data set um, that uh, is, is essentially a microcosm of what your production data could look like um, for your local laptop. I mean, if you have like a virtual environment or like a remote server where you want to saturate test data to with the same amount of data as production, you can also do that. So it's like, all right, well, once I ch check in my code, then there's a sandbox that I go in there and I test against perfect scenario for, you know, having uh, the exact same number of, uh, or uh, exact same amount of data quantity as production. Now, moving further upstream in your uh, CI/CD pipeline, you have, you know, performance engineers that probably have to run some sort of like load testing uh, or capacity testing scenarios. So with, with, with Tonic, we have a feature called synthesize mode where you can then generate um, a macrocosm uh, scenario of your data set. So you can, you know, go like 10x just to kind of, you know, test if you wanted to. Again, all the data is de-identified and safe. Um, and I'll end with this last use case, which is like, well, hey, look, I, I, I have a feature that I'm, I'm building. I built it and I, and, and I pushed it live and there's a bug. I need actual production data to diagnose and fix this bug, right? So it's like, now we're kind of, you know, like in this like weird quasi scenario with our DevOps team, who's like, their job is to keep data safe and they can't expose developers or give them access to production. But you also have a developer who's like, well, no, I, I got to fix this. Like I need production data. Well, that's where subsets come in. Um, and today people do subsetting using all kinds of custom scripts. I mean, I really hope they're not writing custom SQL for that because it's pretty painful, especially if you have like 400 tables with like, you know, half of them have like foreign key dependencies. So with Tonic, we automatically detect the relationship. So we know where the foreign keys are and how the tables are related. So if there's a particular user ID equals 22, you just write that query in Tonic. It'll automatically run the subset for you and generate for you all of the dependent tables with the dependent data on it. Oh. Um, so you're still giving the developer production data around the bug that they need to diagnose if it's affecting a particular user. Sure. Um, with with all the data intact, um, and you know, essentially minimizing your risk, uh, which is a very difficult thing to do. Again, if you have like petabytes of data and your massive database, you know, in, in in production, subsetting can be a very powerful tool if if you can pull it off. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's pretty incredible. Um, so I'm gonna pop open Tonic real quick, just so we can. For those of you on the the video side of things, I'll try to try to talk through the audio side here. So um, I'm on Tonic's main website. So if anyone wants to go out there um, as they're listening to the podcast, there's kind of this um, this graph, I guess I'll say, or UML diagram or class diagram. And it, it has kind of the primary keys and attaching foreign keys to it. And the first thing that came to my mind was, oh no, this is only for a, a SQL database. But then in kind of reading more, I noticed uh, the integrations actually include Mongo database. So um, is there any reason that any other NoSQL database wouldn't work? You might have to just run your own APIs. Um, so your observation is correct. We did, we did start off by supporting structured data. Uh, we're super proud to have launched Mongo 
about two months ago, I think it was. Huh. Uh, okay. That is our first of many steps in supporting um, unstructured data, Mongo being the first, obviously, in this case. Um, if there are scenarios where there's a database that's not supported, uh, it does not take us long to turn around support for it, um, it if it's not already on the roadmap. So I'm okay. very excited about what it is that we're going to be pushing out. And the very bullish goal on this is to essentially be able to support all the databases that exist out there, reasonably sure. speaking. But I think that yeah. pretty much counts for anything you're probably running in production. Sure. I mean, my my big thought would be like uh, DynamoDB on the AWS side of things would be kind of the next one. And for me personally, Firebase, because I'm a Firebase GD, would be interesting scenario as well. So Or Firestore, I guess I should say. Cool. Yeah. Um, I just want to bring up real quick too. So I, I kind of threw together the, the like, I guess not beta look, but the kind of default data set when you don't have one. <laughs> Um, whatever that's called. Um, yeah. So what I'm showing here, there's there's this kind of this privacy hub callout, and I think we talked about this a lot, but um, it seems like there's kind of a pre-canned name generator and email generator and whatever there might be. Um, so that's kind of a good way for for Tonic to scan your data and say, hey, these fields seem sensitive we need to create this generator for them. And it appears to me that there's also a way to say, well, your generator is okay, but like I need another one and add like a custom generator on top of that. Is that correct? Uh, more or less that is correct. Yeah. So there's, there's a few different workflows that you would want to go through. Um, this is the first of many workflows. Uh, it's the immediate one that Tonic throws at you and says, Hey, we just scanned your entire database. There's, there's, a, there's a big step here that we're yet to connect the source database. But once you do, Tonic runs through all of your data. I should probably mention that none of the data is actually stored. We keep like 100 in, like in memory, um, but n n there is no actual data that gets stored in gotcha. Tonic. So all of this is happening in flight. So anyway, so Tonic goes through all of your different, uh, 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 sorry, not your data, but the column names. I should probably clarify that, the structure of your data. And takes its first pass guess at, okay, first name probably is a sensitive uh, data type and uh, the PII type uh, and the suggested generator. So like I mentioned before, there's like a few dozen different generators that we have that using any combination of them can probably satisfy you know, thousands of different uh, data scenarios. So the second workflow on that screen would be going into the database view. Then there's also a table view where you can go in Right, exactly. And go into the actual columns. Like I said, there's like 100 um, records in memory just to kind of give you an idea as to what you're dealing with. Um, but that, that drop down at the very top of that column, when you click on that, uh, of, of each of the, of, of the, the um, oh, table columns, right. yep. click on that and you can either overwrite it um, or accept what, what uh, Tonic recommends for you. Gotcha. That's that's super powerful. So if I'm looking at this right now, it, it looks like this is the scrub data already that it's it's kind of created on the fly. That's right. Yeah. If you okay. click on that switch in the upper right hand corner that says preview, you can toggle on and off what your data uh, looks like before and after. Yeah. Yep. So to me, like this is a very traditional at Hotmail type of uh, email and then it kind of gets a little nuts <laughs> yeah i want to i want to call out one more really powerful feature there's many here but um earlier i touched upon how your data behaves like production so if you scroll a little bit to the right there's a column there that says annual income 
Um, so in this demo scenario, we have, we have two columns. One is annual income. Uh, it's a retail shop and largest bill amount. So the idea here is like, you know, the more money that you make on average, uh, probably the more money you're going to be spending um, in this, you know, demo uh, uh, shop. So that data is correlated, right? So if you were doing this yourself arbitrarily, you could lose that correlation. And that's one of like millions of different scenarios where like, you know, records could be correlated. Yeah. So using a combination of a few different generators, you could link those two columns to each other and say that, hey, these two are related. And so make sure that you maintain that statistical fidelity. So even though the data becomes de-identified, uh, right, it's a different number. Where oh, wow. Tonic is using mathematics to make sure that the correlation stays the same. That's, in the that's incredible. That, that's yeah. not even like... It, it's not taking data and saying this is numeric, make it some random numeric. It's literally keeping these tables the way they should. That's, that's super powerful. I mean, especially for your QA folks that are like saying, here's, here's these things I needed to add up or summarize. And now all of the sudden, um, uh, like that, the income or the, the summary view or whatever is off. So this, this totally yeah. makes more sense. Wow. Yeah. That's super yeah. powerful. Yeah, um, the, the math behind it is pretty exciting. It's beyond so, me, but it's, it's it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I think like this is all great. And from a technical perspective, this is amazing. I kind of want to touch on just because I heard you talk about it. And that's that's kind of what, you know, led us down this path. Um, can you talk about like continuous marketing and how Tonic AI is, is helping with that? Yes, continuous marketing is is is, is a term that I uh, I guess I, I, it's a term now. I I, I kind of describe what I what I call continuous marketing. So the idea here is like you know in in the software world we have this thing called CI/CD, continuous uh, integration, continuous deployment or delivery, and, and 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 this is in contrast to how software used to be built using agile or you know even worse waterfall. So a lot of marketing teams didn't know how to keep up with this, right? It's like, okay, well, if your software team is launching features once a month, then I can build a you know, campaign once a month or once a quarter, but no software team releases that way. Everyone's releasing multiple times a day, you know, following best practice. As soon as the feature is done, QA, it's, it's, it's out in production. It's actually in the hands of your customers before you even talked about it, you being the marketing team announcing this feature, right? So it's like, well, how does, how does marketing fit in this new equation? And so I call it continuous marketing. And the idea here is that, you know, as, as a marketing team, you want to acknowledge that your value proposition, in this case, your, your product, your features are, are getting in the hands of your customers before you even announce it. And so put in place the motions that can uh, continuously enable them. So if you were doing like, a, you know, a launch once a, once a year, twice a year, once a quarter, you probably want to do like a launch once a week or at least an email update. Um, heck, as soon as the feature goes live, uh, put a really nice Twitter thread out there. Just, you know, a simple thread, you know, that explains and really dumps down what this feature is. If you can, a quick little video, how to make sure the, oh, and make sure the product docs are also updated yeah. and that there's this <laughs> continuity of experience where the customer has trust in your brand and knowing that, oh, this feature went live. Let me go to the docs. Oh, nice docs. Cool. Let me go to the homepage and see, oh, I can see that the feature has already been updated. 
the support team has been enabled and the sales reps are you know, all enabled. Of course, this applies to B2B, but it can apply to B2C as well. That's amazing. Yeah, it, it's great to bring up. And it's probably your background too, going from a systems engineer to a marketer, like that that whole thing has kind of evolved in your mind, I'm sure, as you've kind of grown through those roles. So totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, I want to throw up the pricing page because I guarantee people are like, yeah, but this is crazy expensive, right? I don't know that you guys specifically call out price, um, but you have three plans currently, it looks like, a, a starter professional and enterprise level. I guarantee like you guys are probably more on the enterprise side for the most part. But to me, like as a dev, this, this sounds wonderful just to run in all of my testing and and things like that. What are you seeing like people use this for currently um, size wise? Yeah. Um, So I could, I I could, I could share this much. Um, uh, I, I don't like the idea of turning anybody away. Um, we are working on um, uh, a, a pricing model um, that essentially anybody should be able to afford. Okay. We do have a free trial, which I, I strongly recommend that you take advantage of. We just launched it. Um, there is a, a lot of really good support behind it. Um, I, I haven't seen a scenario yet where somebody walked away because of pricing. Um, we do price by the size of the data. There's a few features that can turn on and off depending on the, the tier that you're in. But you know, if you're a five-person shop, you probably don't need like, you know, SSO and some features that in the enterprise is super valuable for them. For, for, sure. for them. Um, so uh, I would uh, strongly recommend take advantage of the free trial, sign up for an account. Uh, we just kicked off these workshops where you can join a workshop and have a live instructor walk you through the features we're also doing office hours by the way so once a week keep an eye out on the webinars tab on the on on the website uh, and register for any one of them we're really hands-on it's 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 not just marketing fluff it's not just like hey yeah you know shoot us an email and we'll get back to you it's like when i say it's hands-on i mean i literally mean like um one of our co-founders uh head of engineering adam uh uh literally handles the hands-on workshops and walks you through uh, how to use uh, tonic um, and, and, and any questions you throw at him, um, he can, he, he can uh, help answer. So I recommend you take advantage of that. Very cool. Yeah. It sounds like you guys are a tight knit group that uh, wants your customers to succeed. So that's awesome. Yeah, um, for sure. I know I kind of had a rough outline uh, going for this pod. I think we've, we've covered it kind of, Roughly, but uh, I want to make sure I'm not missing anything before we jump into our picks. Uh, no, I think you probably covered most of um, you know what, what what Tonic can do. We talked about uh, the the identifying data, how Tonic is different. We uh, mimic production, um, the sophisticated math behind it. I barely scratched the surface on that. We talked about smart linking that just came out. Uh, September 28 is going to be uh, a pretty big day so keep an eye out for some big news coming out from us i don't know if you happen to see this after then um you know enjoy what you probably are experiencing with tonic but if you're seeing this before then keep an eye out uh for uh, follow us on twitter um or you can subscribe to our newsletter we have some really cool stuff that we like to uh like to share with people very cool yeah i'll i'll have to grab a, a 28th link of some kind from you so we can put it in the blog that sounds great 
Awesome. Well, with that said, Omed, I think we're going to jump into uh, perfect picks now. And uh, I'll go first. So just just since I, I know you probably haven't seen this in the way we do it, but let me throw this up. So my first pick is I always try to do a technical pick. Um, so Nux Labs just announced that they're kind of creating this new thing called Nux Labs. This site is kind of wild uh, when you go through it. I don't know if the animations are showing up quite. Yeah, I think so. Um, kind of crazy site, but if you if you dock or if you dive into like the the different docks and kind of see what's going on, I have a feeling we're gonna get kind of a lot out of Nuxt Labs for the next things that are coming from Nuxt. So um, pretty cool. Um, they were able to raise $2 million to get going with it and can't wait to see what's what's going to come out of there. My nice. second, yeah. My second pick uh, is Clickbait. Uh, I, I didn't think I wanted to click this ever on Netflix because it says Clickbait and that's kind of rough, right? <laughs> um, ended up... <laughs> you know, burning through the whole thing over Labor Day weekend. Uh, it's had some twists and turns, and I really enjoyed it. So it is TVMA. So, kids, if you're out there watching, please don't watch it. <laughs> How are you, Omed? Do you have anything, uh, any picks that you want me to bring up on screen or anything you just want to throw out there for the fans? Yeah, so this is my latest hack. Um, I could I could probably build a long list, but I'm going to give you one. So this is, I was on the market for a really good webcam, cool. uh, a good uh, 4K camera, um, something small, something easy. And I came across this app called Camo Studio, which you essentially can convert your uh, iPhone uh, into a full-fledged uh, webcam. And that's what I'm using right now. Um, is it camera studio? Is that what you said? Uh, camo, C-A-M-O. C-A-M-O. Okay. Yeah. Let me look it up. Camo it up. studio. Cool. Um, this one I think will work. Let's see here. Yeah, that's it. So this is this is my pick. Super that's really cool. cool. Yeah, I saved money and the real estate. Now, the only downside is I do have to constantly plug and unplug my... Um, my phone, but uh, I still have, you know, my uh, native camera on my laptop. So for calls where camera quality isn't that important, I'm still good to go. But uh, calls like this, for example, I can easily upgrade to a camera that's as competitive as whatever's out there in the market. Wow, that's really neat. I, I've done this on Android. There's a couple different apps for it. I have not seen this on iPhone. So that's sweet. I love it. I, I guarantee yeah. the uh, camera on there is better than anything else I own. So <laughs> um, I have another shout out that I want to give to another tool. It's called Opsera, O-P-S-E-R-A dot I-O. Um, that team is phenomenal. I worked with them last year. I helped launch them out of, uh, out of seed and they just, uh, seed stage stealth mode and they just closed a um, series A. Uh, this team essentially is doing what GitLab does, except you get to choose your own tools. So it's a CI/CD orchestration tool, and you bring whatever tool chain that you want to the table, um, and they'll essentially, you know, orchestrate the tools, uh, automate the tool chain working together, and then you you can build pipelines on on top of it. So that's my shout out. Um, well, so, yeah, I like that one. I'll dig into it. I'm pretty bullish on. Thanks for, for uh, joining us, uh, Omad. I really appreciate it.
Thank you for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Cool.